This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hiya, Jamie and Finchie here. Um, we recorded this week's episode before the managerial, managerial uh, news broke. Obviously, Mark Robinson has now been appointed head coach of AFC Wimbledon. Uh, so we're just going to have a quick chat about it. And uh, some of the fans have sent in their views and a few questions, so we'll be discussing those as well. What are your thoughts, Finchie? I'm chuffed a bit. It's really happy with the appointment uh especially with some of the names that were on the list, apparently, that we, we interviewed and we spoke to. Uh, but, yeah, the, the man is Wimbledon through and through. And if you look at some of the messages he's getting from ex-players, such as Barry Fuller, Toby Civic, people that have left, youth team players that have left, are all saying what, what a man he is. And I think, I've, again, I've spoke to him in the bar a few times and you could speak to Robbo for days about football. Uh, he comes across really well to the fans. Maybe that might change now, but he has to be the manager of the team or the, what is it? He's the head coach now. Uh, but yeah, I'm chuffed a bit for him. Uh, I, I think this is going to be, it has to be a long-term managerial placement. Uh, so if he does lose a few games, I think we still have to back him. No matter what, if he has a bad period or if he has a dark time, we have to get behind him still. He's one of us and he's not, he's not crazy gang. I know people say about the Wimbledon connections and all that. He's not crazy gang. He's AFC Wimbledon. Do you know what I mean? So he's writing our history that we've made since day one, since we were at Sutton. And he gets that, and that's what he wants to do. He wants to prolong AFC Wimbledon, and he gets it with Plough Lane. So, yeah, I'm chuffed to bits. How are you feeling about the appointment? Yeah, I'm happy. I'm very happy. I think I think we all kind of thought that it would be Robbo. Um, I'm glad that it is Robbo. Uh, you mentioned all the ex-players singing his praises, which, you know, is great to see. We've already seen uh, really positive things, both on and off the pitch already. Um, mm. And you said it, it might change now that he's been appointed permanent manager, but I hope it doesn't. Um, you know, we've seen great changes across the board. Um, and you're right about it being a, a long-term plan, regardless of whether we stay up or go down this year. I think he needs to be given the ability to, you know, build the club, build a better culture, uh, both on and off the pitch and around the club, because it seems as though that's something we've been missing for for a while now. Um, you know, since Ardley days, really. 
Yeah, and I think he's he's done that with the youth team. So when he was youth team academy manager, he's brought in people that kind of get his kind of views and want to be on board with him. Michael Ham- Hamilton spent a, a message out today saying, I don't want to wish him luck because he don't need it because he knows it. And he, he when he first came in, he thought he was a trialist coming in, not a coach. He's got Rob Turvey there, who, who obviously believes he's one of the best young coaches about. So he's he's bred this culture through the youth team. And it's always been lacking from the first team. And I think you can see that where he said the other day that it's not about, it's about players becoming first team players. It's that thing about three points is all that matters. And unfortunately, it is a results business football once you get into first team football, League One, League Two, Championship, Premier League. But it's about getting off sues and things like that involved in football and letting them just have a free reign and not panicking too much, not stressing too much. Again, they get paid good money, which we, we allude on in the episode, but it's quite a stressful job football. Uh, and with 3,000 fans on your back and, you know, there's a lot of trolls on the internet nowadays and it can get to you. But I think he has that culture and he'll bring that in from top to bottom. Uh, I'm also very chuffed because I've made £200 on it as well. So Happy I backed, days. I backed him when Happy everyone days. thought... Carly and what's the name was coming in Hazel coming in and he was out at like 20 to 1 and then I backed him again at 6 to 1 when everyone thought uh, who was it Chris Powell was coming in so yeah once he went odds on bang a little bit of money on Robbo because even if he was in charge for 10 games he'd get paid out so a couple hundred quid and the missus is happy because she's got that to spend didn't she so I won't <laughs> see a penny of that <laughs> I won't see a penny of that I, th- I think you know um, when you, you mentioned the Cowleys there I think, would I have preferred the Cowleys? Probably. I think you'd be an idiot not to. But um, someone I spoke to who's not a Wimbledon fan said that uh, from the outside looking in, it was a cheap and uninspiring um, appointment. Uh, I agree with the cheap part. I think he probably was one of the cheapest uh, people that we could have appointed on the list. But I don't think uh, it's uninspiring because, yeah. Yeah, I, I find that comment quite rude, to be fair. I find it quite insulting to mm-hmm. Robbo. This is a lot of, again, we've touched on it before, Wimbledon fans, some Wimbledon fans want to just be Wimbledon fans and they don't know the ins and outs of the youth academy and who, who is in charge. And that's that's up to them. That's that's fair for them if they want. Some people like myself like to take an interest of who's coming through our ranks, who's coaching. As I said, I was lucky enough to meet Rob Turvey because my boy had a trial at Wimbledon when he was nine years old. He got in and Rob Turvey was the man to speak to. Uh, but yeah, the uninspiring bit is, is he's been at the club for 17 years. He's built that academy from nothing. Got remember when we started, we had no academies, built an academy. We have tons of team and, and some of the stuff that he bought in, it was him that bought in the white sock rule or the, is it the white sock rule or they have to wear odd socks on their weak uh, foot? They wear the blue sock on their strong foot and the yellow sock on their weak foot. Yellow, that's it. You know which ones are past yeah, that was Robbo that brought that in. Mm. You know, never heard of that before. He he's had uh, the England rugby uh, coach come in uh, and, and spend time with the boys. He he's not just football. He 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 has run successful businesses and he takes that into football. And as he said, he wants. It's not just about football. It's about how they. I think they still clean boats as well. And uh, 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 we still clean training uh, changing rooms. And it's about being men. If you do get released, you have to go in and do a proper job. Do you know what I mean? And that's the problem about football nowadays, and we're, we're touching it again, is people can't, they, they don't then distinguish from football to real life. Yeah. Where our boys, they do, and if they get released, and as I said, we've had youth team players have been released who still sing his praises, which is, you don't really get that too often. And uh, it's the culture thing, I think, that Wimbledon fans get on board. And I said, it ain't 
it ain't a crazy gang. It's the AFC Women and Way now, I think. And I think that's what he's going to be bringing in, which we need. Uh, but yeah, uh, some of the names on there, I, I get what you mean about Cowley. When we spoke the other week, I was obviously for Cowley big time, the Cowley brothers. But the more I've listened to Robbo, the more I've seen of Robbo, I was well on board with it. The one that the funniest one was the, uh, what's his name? Birchill, Birchill, Oh, uh, Sweden. Uh, Graham Potter's protege. Yeah, that's a funny one, the old protege, where Graham Potter left. His his protege, but left him in Sweden. Mm. Didn't bring him to England with him, but left him over there. I know he had a manager job there, and he, that was an interesting one for me because he looked, again, good on paper. He was he was a Robbo, Mark Two, I thought really. Mm. So, well, I mean, Graham Potter is one of the most exciting young British managers in football at the minute. So, you know, if this fella is anything like him, then he probably would have been a good find. But yes, like you say, over the moon with Robbo. Um, you know, he talks a good talk. Hopefully, he can he can back it up with, with things in the future. The question I've got for you then, Jamie: Who does he bring in? as his assistant manager, because I've heard a few names going around, like Bezo, where I, I think that would be, a, a, I love Bezo to bits, I think his energies are unreal, but he, we need a goalkeeping coach, and I don't think you can then do both, I don't think you can be the goalkeeping coach and assistant manager, the assistant manager needs to be on the pitch looking at everything, you then speak to your goalkeeping coach about your goalkeepers, but you're, you're the manager, you're assistant manager, you need to be then have four eyes on the first team. Uh, another one was Michael Hamilton moving up from academy manager to uh, assistant. But then we have to go down the lines of getting a brand new academy manager, which again, you could do. Rob Turvey could step up. Uh, or people were saying about Rob Turvey doing a job, which again, I love Rob Turvey. I think he's a brilliant man, but I just wouldn't have him as an assistant manager. I think we need someone with experience next to Robbo, but they come at a cost. Uh, and yeah, who would you have as assistant? Um, I think, well, obviously we haven't announced an assistant with his uh, appointment, um, which is strange. I was kind of expecting it. Uh, I'm with you. I think I would love someone with experience, especially at that level. Uh, like you say, they come with a cost and they're probably a bit few and far between at the minute. Um, a lot of them might not come to Wimbledon to be a number two. Mm. Who knows? Um, you mentioned Hamilton, you mentioned 2V. I don't know whether they would give it to one of them till the end of the season and then look to recruit uh, a bona fide assistant manager over the summer. Um, that's probably the most likely, in my opinion. But you know, I can't really think of any number twos off the top of my head. Um, mm. But someone, someone with experience uh, at this level that can help uh, that can help Robbo in what mm. we're trying to do. You know. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And again, you touched on it there. I think uh, Xavier mentioned that he was involved with the interview, which I think is great again. Uh, and there's meant to be, a, I think it's a football review. I can't remember the exact name of it. It was uh, posted today. They're going to be in the summer having a football review because people are like rumour mill central at the moment that a uh, director of football may come in to work with Robbo. But I think that's something that they'll look at in the summer uh, and he'll be, he'll be involved in that, which I think is great. Again, that we're going to have Robbo who's been here 17 years he said, it, he said it in his interview that Rob, Rob Turvey is one of the most exciting coaches and it, it, it's a pathway now for him to maybe step into Robbo's shoes when he chooses to retire in 10, 15 years. Because this is my only scary part now is Robbo does a bad job. We have to, he, he, he walks all sacked. I mean, I and think... I, I don't want that. I think, touching quickly on the director of football thing, yep. um, I think most 
managers that are appointed head coaches, uh, there is a director of football at that football club. Mm. Um, I am completely for a director of football. I think, especially for someone like Mark Robinson, it just lets him get on with what he does best um, and then get a director of football in that can, you know, control the scout and control the, the players that come in, obviously with Robbo's help. Uh, I think that would really benefit us and sort of bring us to the ne next level. Um, I, th I think in terms of Robbo doing a bad job, I think that just, that just, that's a risk that comes with the, comes with the territory, you know, um, mm. Obviously, we want him to do, do well. He's been a great servant to the club. If we lose 6-0 every week until the end of the season, unfortunately, I don't think we will. But unfortunately, that makes his position at the club probably untenable because, yeah. you know, we're not going to then demote him to then maybe become the first team coach in the future because it, it's been shit. Um, I don't think that will happen. I think I'm, I'm, I'm very excited by what's going to happen. Um, mm. I'm not convinced we'll stay up, um, but I'm not actually that. I'm a bit more excited about the prospect of League Two. Should that happen um, next season? Obviously, I want to. I want to stay up, uh, and no relegation is better than relegation. But I don't think if we do go down, we'll be looking like Southend are this year. Yeah, see, I just, I, th I think we will stay up. If you look at Wigan, they lost five nil to Hull uh, tonight. So. Yeah, I think we will stay up there. So that we're, we're we're two games ahead, uh, two games in hand. We still got to play that again. We touch on it later, but March is a big month for us with some of the teams that we should be beating. Uh, but yeah, I I, I I do like the idea of a director of football. Mark Robinson said it himself. He said that he makes average players better. He, his coaching methods has proven that, uh, and he's made players from the youth team step up into good look, look like they could step up into first team League One footballers. Uh, yeah, I'd rather him just worry about coaching and making players better and getting his message across and the culture across and then someone comes in. I think it's what Peter would do anyway, and but we've touched on Peter before. They have a director of football that does their recruitment and their recruitment usually is pretty solid. Exactly. I think it's the, it's the way football's going. It's, if you look at all, all or if not most of the most successful clubs, they all have directors of football because that's their job. You know, mm. they, they, they're good at that. And that's what they're hired to do. And that's what, that's what they do do, you know, and the head coach is there to make the team that the director of football has assembled win football matches. And I think that's what Robbo's best at. And that's where his qualities lie. Um, yeah. yeah, basically. I, I'm excited. I am excited. I am excited as well. And maybe because Robbo's in charge as well, that we've been able to get players out on loan to non-league teams. Again, we touch on it later. Uh, but yeah, because... Robbo's in charge. He has he has these uh, connections, and uh, and one of my mates uh, on one of our WhatsApp groups made a good point when we were saying about one of my feelings with Robbo was does he have that that contact list? And he said it ain't about contact list that you make through being a manager. It's about the contact list you have when you go on courses. So he's done his A license. So he'd have been on courses with some of the best coaches, managers, you know, ex players who are now trying to do their badges as well. That's how you make your contact list nowadays. He knows Barry Fuller and Barry Fuller's at Dawkins. They might speak to him and say, look, this kid here is amazing. You need to have a look at him. Same as when we spoke to Daniel Anderson and he said he had uh, James Shea at Harrow yeah, Borough. Exactly. And we come in and he said, yeah, go and have a look at Wimbledon. Otherwise, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't mind that. And I think that's what Robbo will bring as well. As I said, I was worried about his contact list, but my mate made a good point about you make them at courses nowadays. You don't just make them because you played with him or something like that. So, yeah, it's very exciting time, I think, to be a woman fan at the moment. So, 
Until Saturday. <laughs> exactly. Until Saturday. Um, we put a tweet out earlier um, asking for fans to send in their thoughts on Robbo's appointment. Um, thank you to everyone that sent some stuff in. Um, yeah, appreciate it. So, first person to someone in who was the quickest on the draw was Mike, and he had this to say. Could Mark Robinson be the new Harry Bassett within his man management skills and team building skills? See, I was too young, unfortunately, to be around when Harry Bassett was manager, but what I've heard of him and, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of, what I've heard and what I've seen, he, he could be spot on there. I think uh, Harry Bassett assembled a, a, a team of good players, but it was also the way he managed them. Uh, and I think that's what lacked with Glynn, his was his man management and management of players. And I think we've already seen that with Robbo in taking players out of games to give them a rest, but trust in the players that he's got coming in. So he, he trusts our youth team to step in if we needed to. And I think that's good man management straight away. Like Longman looked dead on his feet. I don't think he's got a problem taking him out and bringing in uh, our new two new strikers that we've got in. And, and just resting players and saying to him, look, this is the reason why. And I think, I think he'll get the best out of our players. And I think we, may, we won't see the Paul Callenby tweets anymore, things like that, in the changing room. Would you? Yeah. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I think you've echoed my thoughts on it. Like, a bit like you. I mean, I'm younger than you, so I'm definitely too young to remember Harry Bassett. Um, but I think there are a lot of similarities between the two, hopefully. Um, you know, Harry Bassett had to be a good uh, manager and a good man-manager to be able to have the success with the squad that he did um, mm. with Wimbledon. Um, you know, I don't think Mark Robinson will bring us up all those leagues like Bassett did, but um, you never know. Uh, not to the Premier League, though, because we don't want that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think hopefully, hopefully it's a success. And I think he's showing all the right signs at the minute um, for it to be a success, definitely. Yeah, I agree. Again, I think, I think as I said, Glenn let himself down with his management of players. So the way he managed them, the way he, like Hartigan, binned off, back in the team for ages, binned off, just over, just trusting 11, 12 players and that was it. Where I think Mark realises that you just can't... Unfortunately, nowadays, we say, oh yeah, footballers should be able to play twice a week. They can't. Mentally as well in football, is it's a big thing. Uh, and some players do need a rest and... Uh, I, I think he won't worry about throwing in a Madeline or a, a Proctor or a Curry or Robinson. You know what I mean? Robinson's going to score goals for us left, right and centre when he gets fit and plays. But I'll keep banging that drum forever. But he, uh, I don't think Robbo's scared of that. I think he'll give them chances. And I think if they show 100% and give him everything back, then they're going to be good League One footballers. I hope that answers your question, Mike. Um, next message. Hi, my name's Barry Whittington. Uh, I'm a lifelong Dons fan since the late 1950s, and I'm also Jamie's dad for my sins. Um, this is a good appointment for me. It's what I expected. Like a lot of supporters, we've been really, really impressed with Mark, and he's got as much chance of doing something with this group of players than a more experienced manager, in my view. Um, I don't know who was in the frame uh, for the manager's job, but appointing a more high-profile manager may have proved a very expensive failure in the long run. Mark gets the club and is a fine servant 
and deserves his chance. And there's another reason um, why it's a good appointment for me is that I had a bet on him at nine to one. Come on, you dons. Thanks, Dad. He, he sounds a very smart man. Sounds smarter than you. And I, I like the fact that he digged you out straight away as well. Also, <laughs> he sound, sounds a bit more Cockney than you, Jay. He sounds a bit more London. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, he, he's, well, he is, I guess. Oh, you sound, you're I'm, quite putting on my, uh, I'm putting on my posh middle-class accent just for this podcast, mate. So, <laughs> you know. But yeah, no, I, I, your dad's spot on there, really, with everything he said. You know what I mean, he gets the club and, and he, he won a bit of money out of it. So you can maybe get a chippy tea or something, can't you? Get a take <laughs> of that one. That'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. Tap him up. The bar's closed. So <laughs> tap him up for a bit of money. But yeah, no, he's, he's spot on with that. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. again, we don't know what the other candidates are, so we will assuming it was Cali. We've been told that he was interviewed and stuff, but you, you never know. So it could have just been, could have been Robbo, me and you interviewed for all people know. But yeah, Robbo, as I said, I think we've echoed it enough that he's good. I think he hits a nail on the head as well when he said um, he deserves this chance, you know? Again, yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. 17 years at the club, I think. That's what I mean. This is what upsets me with that comment earlier. He's been at the club 17 years. He's put 17 years of hard work. He, he ain't just been there making tea and putting bibs on people. He's been working and grafting hard uh, and finding players from youth team to first team. So, yeah, uh, your dad's spot on, mate. Maybe we get him on as host in future. Yeah, he'd do a better job than me, wouldn't he? So. <laughs> <laughs> he sounded nervous. I don't know. Ah, I don't know. I thought, he's, I thought he was selling up on pairs down the market. <laughs> Uh, next, we've got a message from Mark Buzzwell. Is that your mate, Buzz? Buzzer, yeah. Yeah, right. He's, he's gagging to get on. Hi, guys. Um, great appointment. Great opportunity for Robbo. Uh, I just wondered what you thought his three-year plan would be going forward. Obviously, staying up this year and then hopefully pressing on for the playoffs the next couple of years. Playoffs. He makes you laugh because he said he, he wants to know a three-year plan going forward. Well, we didn't want it to know going backward, do we? So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's a good lad, Buzz. He'll, he'll be coming on soon. But uh... yeah, no, I think I think plan-wise, I think staying in League One this year, obviously, yep. uh, and then I think regardless of whether we we're in League One or League Two next year, is as I, as I mentioned earlier, building a. Uh, culture throughout the club both on and off the pitch that that can then hopefully help us progress up the leagues I think talking league one playoffs within the next few years is yeah you know nonsense it's, it's but, streamlined but it's what football, yeah. football fans do isn't it you know what I mean yeah. like you think the first start of the season this year when we started on that little run everyone was going to have you know we can get mid-table and we can push for the playoffs easy and then look where we are now but you think I, they'd know by now, wouldn't you? <laughs> football fans never learn, mate. Ask any football fan. Are they, you think, have you seen in predictors at the start of the season where the fans predict where they're going to finish? Hardly any of them predict themselves to come in relegation zones. Most of them predict that they're going to be like mid-table or going playoffs. Uh, I think I agree with what Titch said in the last show uh, regards to just success on the pitches. Just, just giving 100% for me has always been the thing. And, and every time a player signs, I just say, just put 100% in. Uh, some of them try and put 100% in, they're just not good enough. But that ain't their fault. That's just one of them things. But yeah, just I think Robbo's an exciting, exciting uh, prospect for us and what he can bring 
and you can see it, I think he's already changing it about the club already and I think success for me and the next three years is bringing more youth team players through because budget's always going to be a thing for us and it was the same at Wimbledon FC we always had to struggle with budget but we bought players from lower leagues and we made them superstars I think we can do that again and we need to be a little bit more get more money for our players like not letting Pig Taylor Elliott's leave for free letting them leave for a million pound going thanks you scored loads of goals for us we appreciate your hard work see you in a couple of years when it don't work out be nice wouldn't it yeah I think I will come back one day so uh, next message Hi there. Um, Loz Watt here, big Wimbledon fan, uh, massive fan of the podcast as well, lads. So, yeah, keep it up. Um, yeah, I'm happy with Robbo. I mean, I didn't really think there was a lot out there that, that made me, you know, excited. So, I'm quite happy with Robbo. I want to see what he's got and, you know, give him a clean clean slate and just, you know, see see what he can bring to the table. Um, maybe you could make the argument for someone who's got a little bit more managerial experience. Uh, at this level um, but yeah overall very happy come on you dons yeah good point I agree with what he says he's got a, he's got a clean slate now uh, he's worked with the players before and it's, it's one of the good things as he I think he mentioned it as well in an interview that when Wally and Glyn brought him close as a first team they already know him so they already had him around he's already spoke to him a lot of the time so it weren't like someone else just coming in and like I think when Wally come in Wally had to ruffle feathers straight away because we were so out of reach of the go at staying up. Where I think this is a strong position for Robbo now. We are above the relegation zone. Uh, and I think, yeah, give him a clean slate. Again, people want experience, but how are meant to people are meant to learn? He's been again, as others have alluded on, where he's been with the club seventeen years. If we hadn't made him manager this year, and we had put in Jason Yule or someone like that, would he have left? Would we have then lost Robbo to another club? I mean, it's a good question. I'd like to think not. Um, you know, he hasn't had the longest audition. Um, you know, it's only been, what, one game? And, and a Papa John's uh, pizza trophy game, uh, which doesn't really count. Um, but like I said earlier, it's, it's, the atmosphere's changed. It seems, but not not only within the club, but also the fans as well. Um, the football's more positive. The fans are more positive. You know, there's a lot less doom and gloom around. Um, but yeah, I agree with everything that um, that he just said. Um, I think everyone wanted. I think everyone when Glenn was first sacked, I think everyone wanted someone with experience. They wanted someone with no crazy gang connection, and they wanted someone with a proven track record at this level. Um, we haven't got that, but. I think everyone, I think I think most people are happy. I think Robbo's been very smart as well, is that he treated the whole thing as a interview. So he's in the press, everything he said on interviews with, with the our own team is all been him. I think it was you that said it, weren't it? That it is literally been like an interview for him mm-hmm. the whole time. Because he's been and he also knows what the fans want. They know that they want to be we want someone's gonna be honest if it ain't been good enough. Uh, and as you say, it's a shame the Rochdale game was off because I think we would have won that. I really do because of the amount of goals they conceded and the injuries they had. I think we'd have gone and won that and everyone would have been even in a better place. And as you said, we had the pizza game. You know what I mean? He, I don't want to ham it, ham it up, but he, he just he didn't get a slice of luck in that one. And you know what I mean? You just find the crust of that matter going a little bit downhill, <laughs> really. So yeah. I'm not even going to respond 
I'll we'll, just, no, we're zero, at, we'll just quickly move on, shall we? We're at that trophy now, so that's all them <laughs> jokes done till next year. So. Thank God for that. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, next message is from Scott. Hi, chaps. It's uh, Scott Whittington here. I'm Jamie's cousin. Uh, just giving you a quick one minute on uh, on my views of Robbo being appointed as AFC Wimbledon manager or head coach, as it's officially known as. Uh, yeah, really pleased for the chap. Uh, I've met him once and uh, had a nice chat with him. He's uh, definitely Wimbledon through and through. He obviously knows the youth there and uh, and the boys coming through. So, uh, you know, who knows? You might give them a chance. And uh, if we do happen to go down this season, you know, which we all know we're We've been punching above our weight for quite a while and it's usually a relegation fight. I do hope we survive and uh, and with the boys and uh, we can have a, a good youth set up that's coming through. Um, really, really pleased for him. And, and, you know, we could argue that we want somebody more experienced, but on our budget, we just need to uh, to accept what we've got and get behind them. So uh, looking forward to, to cheering them on through iFollow and uh, and then hopefully at uh, New Power Lane very soon. All the best, boys. Ta-da. I'm going to get the uh, I'm going to get the rest of my family on as well. Just give me, you know, I've got my great aunts coming on. <laughs> I was going to say, how much have you paid these people yeah. to come on? We don't, we don't. But uh, he, his point is again, it's, he's Wimbledon through and through, Robbo, and he, he chats to many people in the bar. So, uh, and, and you think most? I've been in the bar with most of my mates when we've been steaming drunk, and he's still taking the time to let us dribble all over him. So, he's a good lad. Uh, yeah, now I think his point again with guys, if we do go down, we just got to back him now, I think, and hope for the best next year. And again, if we do go down and we don't start great in League Two, we have to still back him. I think this is a long term project. We just can't keep sacking managers and sacking people that have been at the club for 17 years. I keep saying it, 17 is the magic number today, but we just got to back this guy now. Uh, he's Wimbledon, and let's get behind him best we can. Next message is from Sydney. He was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. I'm glad that Mark Robertson has been given this opportunity, uh, considering that he's applied for this twice. Um, I feel like it's really good for us. I don't think anyone new coming in would have been able to get the best out of this particular group of players. Um, also, another massive point is that anyone new coming in wouldn't have been able to implement anything they wanted to do. They would have just had to work with this bunch of players so I think Mark is the only one that will be able to get the most out of these particular players um, and I think we will shine I think we will stay up and I hope for the best it was great touching base with Sydney there <laughs> she, she loves touching base but uh, that, that she's got a good point there and I, I get the feeling from Sydney she's not a big fan of this bunch of lads and she puts it, she's she's not a big fan of them. And to be fair, not a lot of people are this season, are they really? Uh, but I think I agree with what she says. I think Robbo will be the one that can get the, get it out of them. And I think Robbo will be the one to turn it around for them. You know, I can see Paul Kay getting back in the team and making a name for himself now as a Wimbledon player. And, and you know, people are not overly happy with some of his antics. But I think Robbo will be the man that's going to get the best out of this squad. Yeah, I think... He you're right there when you say about turning it around for them because football fans are a fickle bunch, you know. Uh, they're quick to forget good things, but by the same token, when things are going badly, if players do turn it around, you know, if Paul Cannonbaye, for example, as you mentioned, comes in and plays a blinder for the rest of the season and keeps us up, he's going to be a hero in the whole uh, being bored in the dressing room and the and the changing the music on his phone on the train is going to be a distant memory, you know. So 
yeah, I think that's spot on. I think Sydney's right. I think Robbo is the man for the job at this moment in time. Um, and hopefully, we, hopefully we'll reap the benefits of it. Yeah, I, I've only seen one post, as you said there, which was one, one I've seen. Everyone else has been very optimistic, very excited about Robbo. And I, I don't want to keep harping on it, but he gets the AFC Wimbledon way. And it's, it's a new way of going. And it's what we do. It's, 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 we've built the club from nothing. And he gets that. And it's, it's the AFC, as I keep saying, it's the AFC Wimbledon way. And I think he'll just improve it. He'll make it better. He'll make us better. And he'll make us better around the whole club. And it does seem to be happening. It does seem like Xavier Wiggins being on the uh, interview panel. It seems like the board are getting more involved and they're seeing the faults, you know, and, and, and people are raising them. And, they're, they're, you know, we had Charlie Talbot messaging our Facebook the other day with regards to just the, the stuff that we've, we've said on here. And it, it's good that they're engaging with fans now and engaging with ourselves. Yeah, it was great. You know, he might not have agreed with what we were saying or what we were criticising or whatever, but he's taken the time out to stop and reply to not just one or two points, but pretty much every point we raised on that episode. Um, so all I can do is, you know, credit to him, thanks to him for taking the time out to do that. Um, and it's a great conversation. You know, other fans were getting involved. And um, like I said, there's a lot more. We spoke about club comms and I think across the board that's got better as well. Um, I'm not saying that that was because of Robbo, but I'm sure it would have helped. Um, I know I keep banging on about this club culture, but um, it, it is looking like the change is coming and it's a change for the best. Yeah, it's agree. Again, I, I, your point's spot on with Charlie taking the time out. And it's what we need. I think it's what fans want. I think fans want engagement. They want to feel engaged. Uh, I, I disagree with a few points the other day about voting for Broncos coming in. I think we have a ball in charge now. But then fans made good points uh, and called me out on it, saying, would, would we have sold our club out if we had the board in that time as well? If we had a weak, the weak board that we had, we wanted to sell the club down the river before doing the bond stuff. But yeah, it's good that we are engaging and we are talking this stuff and talking about it. So, uh, The last message was sent in by Mark Sturgis, uh, who, we hope to come on the sh- who, hope, who we hope is coming on the show in the next couple of weeks. Um, here it is. Good luck, Robbo, mate. Come on, you dons. Short and sweet, to the point. And this is it all, really. Good luck. I think everyone wishes him good luck. Yeah. Uh, as I said, Mark Abertson said, I'm not going to wish him good luck because I don't think he needs it. So uh, I kind of, yeah. He, he, he's a hardworking man, Robbo. He's a very hardworking man. Uh, and I think he'll be working nonstop to improve us on and off the pitch. Well, I think that's the perfect point to end this little added section of the podcast um thanks everyone for sending your messages in we'll definitely be doing some more of that in the future in future episodes um but yeah just want to echo what mark said and good luck robbo common new dons uh, and i hope everyone enjoys the rest of the podcast yeah again i agree with what you said thanks everyone who sent in a message sent in a voice note uh we keep saying by the fans for the fans and we want every fan to get involved no matter what your point is you agree with us, you disagree with us, just get involved because football's a great talking point and AFC Wimbledon's an even better talking point. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Wombles Had a Dream podcast. As ever, I have Finchie and Rob Boyce with me and today we are joined by Don's fan, Russell Earl. 
It's a pleasure to have you on, mate. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you doing, Russell? You all right? Yes, I'm fine, thank you. Good boy. Boise, Jamie, you all right? Evening, all. Good to be back on. Yeah, I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Can't complain. Missed the football on Saturday. I was really looking forward to it. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I kind of jinxed us, really, because I messaged on Twitter saying who woke up optimistic and excited about the game. And then someone said, well, no, it might be cancelled. And I said, don't worry, the covers are on. Uh, we'll be fine. And then literally two minutes later, the game was cancelled. Made, made me laugh because last week on the podcast, Rich Cassell's predicted that it'd be frozen off, didn't he, as a joke. And he went and jinxed us because it actually was. So He's not mentioned that, to be fair. The only thing he did mention is that he'd rather take a nil-nil uh, over us winning 4-3, which just blew my mind, to be fair. What a stupid comment. Lucky he didn't make it on the podcast, but yeah. I can see why you and him are mates then. Well, stupid <laughs> shouts like that, mate. I'd, I'd, I'd rather us win every day of the week, but I can see his point. He wanted a, a clean sheet, but yeah, to predict, like to, to prefer a nil-nil over a 4-3 win. Yeah, maybe we don't get him on again, but we'll see. Almost as bad as going ultra-attacking when you're 4-2 up, isn't it? That's what I think you should always do. <laughs> Have you not seen Man City this season? It's a fair point. It's a very fair point. It's very yeah, fair point. I know it is. Thank you. Shut me up. Anyway, uh, today's episode uh, revolves a lot about money and football. Uh, we're going to start off by talking about football finances, probably more specifically in non-league. Finchie, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, so I want to start off with regards to, obviously... Um, the under 18s, uh, no, not the under, the academy manager, Michael Hamilton, has put is it Michael Hamilton? Hamilton yeah, you're correct. I, my name, I get so shit with names. So, Michael Hamilton put out a post the other day offering our under 18s and under 23s to play senior football. Uh, not a lot of people might know this, but unfortunately, non league football is going through a worse time than league football, uh, which some people might find hard because below the, below the premiership, it's pretty shit for. A lot of teams financially, uh, but in non-league football at the moment, is they're being told they have to play games and they have to fulfil fixtures, uh, and a lot of them are saying they can't afford to do this. Uh, and if they are made to, f- to play games, uh, they're going to struggle financially. So they're furloughing a lot of their management team, a lot of their playing staff, or any paid staff. They're furloughing, so they're being put on furlough, which means they don't then have squads because they can't play because they won't be able to pay their players. So I see a tweet from Tunbridge Angels the other day asking if anyone wanted to play senior football pretty much. Uh, and I think John Main said he still has a goal left in him. And I think he went back with a jovial comment. Uh, but yeah, they're looking for players who can play for free pretty much uh, to fulfil their fixtures, which is absolutely ludicrous that they're being forced to do this. Uh, being forced to literally either say your team's going to go bust or you play fixtures to complete a season. And obviously some teams at mid-table and low and low down who face a relegation don't want to do that. And obviously the teams at the top of the leagues obviously want to fulfil their fixtures and, and win games to get promotion. Uh, I think from my own point of view, uh, I know I'm going on about this, I'll let someone else jump in a minute, but I think the league should just curtail the season and maybe start again. Uh, but yeah, Michael has said that we're offering our under-18s under and under-23s. And from a club point of view, I think that's brilliant because it means that we can... There is no loans at the moment because we can't send people on loan. So getting boys out there to play would be absolutely fantastic for us. I think, I think it's good for our under-23s to be playing in men's football. But if, if, if what you're saying is correct and a, a lot of the clubs at that level can't afford to pay their normal playing staff... Um, 
would there not be just kids against kids again? It could be. I, again, I don't know the ins and outs of what kind of squads are going to be on show and what kind of teams are going to be playing. Uh, I'm guessing a lot of people who have just maybe stepped out of the game or, or got released might come back and put themselves back in the transfer window and say, look, you released me, but this is what I can do. Uh, yeah, I did think that when Michael put the post out, look, our under-18s, under-23s are available and, and want to play senior football. Will they be playing against men? I don't know, but I think from our own point of view, get it, it's also a good point that I wanted to say is that it's a good point that we might then get links with non-league clubs. Uh, and they might look at, say, uh, an under-18 striker from us and go, well, actually, this kid's quite good. We could get him on loan next season. Uh, and then we then go, there, yeah, you go, you can have him on loan kind of thing. It's good to have, like we've got now with Brentford and we've had with Birmingham and stuff like that. It is good to have more links in non-league game than just your leverhead in Kingstonian. The only thing with that is, um, I mean, just going by Dover, they've also furloughed their management. So who's actually going to be coaching and doing everything as well. So it could be we're just sending them out to play and they're not actually learning anything from it other than playing against and probably getting thrashed. Um, other more experienced teams as well, though. So it, might, it could actually be a, um, a negative for them. Yeah, no, I get your point on that as well, Russell. Yeah, that's the thing. Who's going to the management team? If the whole club's pretty much been placed on furlough, who will be managing these players? And 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 they are kids at the end of the day, so they do need a bit of guidance regarding that. But I think for us, I think Michael's looking at it as just getting minutes in the boys, getting links to because they're not playing football at all at the moment. I don't. Well, I, I say that I know we played Stevenage or under 18s I believe played Stevenage and won four one. But I doubt they're playing a lot of football at the moment. Uh, and there's only so much you can do on a training field. Maybe our, our Rob Turvey will go and manage the team or so. I don't know. I, that's the thing. I don't know how it's going to work. And I, this is where I think the league are an absolute joke. I know Dave Anderson has said many things about it, that how can you force these teams to play when they haven't got the, the finances to play at the moment and, and fulfil fixtures? And, and, and we're lucky that we've got a good academy that we can put out and about. But there's going to be teams that ain't going to be able to get players together, and they're not going to. They're going to what? Turn up with 12, 13 players. It's not Sunday league. This is this is non-league football. It's, it's semi-professional. I, pres- I presume that some teams would then be forfeiting matches if if they if they can't then if they can't fulfil the fixture. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That does look like that would be the case. I think there's been maybe fines and points deduction put on the table as well. Uh, so I mean, that's just ridiculous, isn't it? But you know, it's you can say from top to bottom that the the football's been affected by COVID, and you know some things they've done well with it, and some things they haven't got right. I would say the majority of the things they haven't got right with it. Um, but this is just another thing to add to the pile of just like what on earth are they doing? You know, because if if clubs are saying we can't, we're we're going to go bust if you make us play these games and to then stand by and say, well, I'm sorry, but you, you've got to play these games. You know, you're killing off all these football clubs, all these communities, um, which is just ridiculous. So I know of um, five clubs that have been charged that obviously couldn't, for whatever reason, fulfil fixtures. Um, so Dulwich, Curzon Ashton, Chippenham, Concord Rangers and Slough Town. Southport got a warning and they tweeted tonight to already say that they're not fulfilling the fixture tomorrow night. So that'd be another one that'd be charged as well. So, and it's evidently all come from, they didn't want to start beginning the season. Then in mind this 
the, the, the North and the South, their season was curtailed last year, apart from just the playoffs after the restart. Um, they wanted um, security or, you know, um, to, to, to play ahead this year. They were told there were grants and now the grants are not there and they're being told to get loans and they don't want to put the clubs with a loan. Um, so hence they're now fulfilling fixtures. Yeah, that's the, I was just about to touch on that, Russell, that they're being told they have to take loans out to uh, play games and stuff. And uh, that's, again, it's just madness that a, a small semi-professional team, I know I, I live just down the road from Concord, their chairman, he's got a bit of money, but obviously he ain't going to be able to, he's not a billionaire, he's not a millionaire, he's not going to be able to throw loads of money at them. They have a good budget, they do all right, but they also have a lot of fans coming in from the local area, the community, they, they do a lot in the community where taking a loan out and maybe selling their ground or something like that is going to put them in trouble and they, they could lose everything just to fulfil a season that pretty much has been so stop-start. Start, I think that a lot of the teams should do... The problem is you're not going to get it is that a lot of teams, I think they should all agree and say, yeah, we will not fulfil fixtures. But then you're going to get the teams who are top, second, third, who are going to go, actually, we can fulfil fixtures because they want to get promoted. They want to go from conference off to the conference and... I think the only one that can continue would be the conference, but I know a couple of teams in there are struggling. Uh, it's just ridiculous at the moment, I think. We saw similar last year, didn't we, when the Football League uh, voted to end, to end the season uh, by points per game. Obviously, the teams which are at the bottom of the league, you know, all wanted to were happy for the season to end and the teams fighting for promotion. Obviously, wanted the season to continue. But, yeah, National League, National League South, National League North, it's a complete mess at the moment. I think they've all gambled that, you know, that playing crowds would be back in by now. Um, because obviously over the summer, you know, got to, got to bear in mind summer last year, things were looking a bit better, isn't it? And now obviously we, we you know, move further down the, further down the roads to February and, we've, you know, there's new variants of COVID and, you know, things have really gone to 180 degrees the wrong way for them. Um, I think it might benefit some of our players. Uh, you might see your favourite player, Zach Robinson, go to, go to the conference, conference south and score 100 goals, Lee. So you'll be happy by that. But yeah, the under-23s aren't playing many games. I think the last game they played was against Dawkin Wanderers and the uh, academy played Stevenage. And the, the Dawkin Wanderers game was quite a few weeks ago now. So it would be good if we can get some of our players out, out on loan. But I do feel sorry for the clubs certainly because it's a complete mess. And you've got to bear in mind, there's... 1,500 players who are currently free agents. For example, Dean Powlett's a free agent. Um, so you might you might get players who want to go play in the National League for nothing, just to put themselves in the shop window for the summer or to get fit, rather than to be sitting at home doing nothing. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the coming weeks. just want to go back slightly to something that Russell said about the something I wasn't aware of, um, about the grants um, so for clubs in the in the conference, conference north and south, were told that they would be getting grants or funding from the government or from the football league. From the government. From the government. So, that, it was, so I've got the um, so the, the Department for Digital Culture and Media Sport have actually come out of a statement. Um, they said um, at no stage was the national league told by DCMS that its support would only be in the form of grants. It is unfortunate that the National League chose to communicate this to clubs without first clarifying the nature of the support with the DCMS. So they're saying it wasn't just grants, it was grants and loans, but the National League told the clubs it was grants. They've now obviously gone back to the clubs saying it's loans, but as we know, that's just kicking the can further down, isn't it? Because 
you've still got to pay them back. So hence now clubs are refusing to play. What about bonds, Russell? Bonds. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I mean, so does the fault there lie with the, the conference? The National League, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 And that's so, why I think, I mean, it's, I, I think if any club wanted to take it further, and again, I suppose it depends on finances, um, I think it would be like um, the EFL with what we're talking about late with the salary cap. So I don't think it will go any further. Yeah, I, it's just been a mess up from start to finish. Like, especially, I, I went to a lot of non-league uh, games when fans were allowed back in and they, some, some teams were allowed to have 200. Some teams were then told they were uh, classed as uh, step one kind of thing, like a senior football, so they couldn't have any fans in. Uh, even though it was all outside, it was the same, pretty much the same stadia. They had uh, you allowed fans in, some were allowed to sell alcohol, some weren't allowed to sell alcohol, so some were making a bit of money. It was never covering anything they, they ever thought was going to happen, and it's just the same. Same with the FA Cup. You, you look at the FA Cup, you had some teams that could have fans, some teams that couldn't have fans. Uh, I just think, regards to an AFC Wimbledon point of view, I think Michael's been very smart in offering our players out to two clubs to maybe get them links again. As I said, next season, hopefully this will be all behind us and we won't have covid well, COVID's going to be here forever, but we won't. It won't. We'll be allowed back into grounds, and and players can move around, and hopefully we can get links with, say, Tunbridge, with Notts County, just for example, and just say, look here, we these players can come out on loan, and they think, well, actually, yeah, they're they're actually decent footballers. We'll get them out, and and that's what we hopefully can do. Um, I don't know if you've heard as well. There was another thing that's on the back of this with regards to football league is Barrow. They were getting rid of six players to the National League, I'm guessing North or the National League itself, they all fell through when all this obviously went up in the air. They then put those players on furlough and bought in another another nine players. <laughs> so, I mean, you're even getting things like that now. But that was on the knock-on of this because evidently the six players they put on furlough were going to clubs in the National League. Yes, it's just it's the same with us at the moment. We've not got players out on loan that we'd like to. I think we'd like to have got Jack Madeline, Jack Robinson out on loan to conference, conference, South Conference, North teams. And we've not been able to do it. To be fair, with our striker crisis, with our injuries, it's been quite a good thing that we haven't been able to get everyone out. But there is a lot of players in our under-23s and under-18s that we need to be we need to get them into senior football. They need to be playing men's football. There's no point playing under-23, tip-tap, tip-tap. They need to be getting battered by an Ollie Palmer at the conference or League Two level. And, and that's not happening. And that could then stop their development will then slow down. And that's not good across all levels because we need people stepping in, especially a club like ourselves with our own finances. We need to be having youth team players step into our first team. I agree with you, Lee, and just to throw a couple more names out there, Matt Cox, who plays for England on the 18s, he would have been brilliant to go out and get a season at like an older shot or somebody like that. Uh, same with Archie Proctor, you know, he, he could definitely go do a job. So I think it's a good thing that Michael's tweeted out. Hopefully we will see some players um, lined up and hopefully Mark Robinson, obviously previously being loan manager as well, maybe he might have some contacts and can get a few players out. You know, oh, is, the, is the loan window still open for... National League. Is, does anyone know? No. no, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, mate. Not aware. No, I don't know no. if it is. I think, obviously, we want to be supporting these clubs. Um, you know, and offering out our players is one way to be doing that. But uh, do you think, 
you know, are we th- do we think that the season should be curtailed at that level? I, I think I, it should. Yeah, I, I, I agree that it should. Maybe conference, but then if the conference continues, then you can have conference, South Conference, North teams saying, well, we can continue. Uh, you think combined counties and that level, I, I, I can't see why they, they, they are still playing and stuff like that. And they'll, they'll have to curtail seasons. Like, uh, for an example, my boy plays football. He's only played four games this whole season since September. Uh, they're talking about restarting again in March and April. I, I just think you have to look at non-league and, and Sunday league and just say, look, is it worth just just stopping it now just uh, and restarting again from next season uh, uh, so you can financially... Because a lot of non-league teams as well, they pay either by the week or uh, stuff like that. They, that. they can then save money, but then you're looking at players then going to be out of jobs. Uh, and this money, it's good money down in non-league. It ain't like it's peanuts. People get paid four or 500 quid a week to play... Pay Roman Premier League, Roman Division One. Uh, I know that for sure because, and, and it ain't all on the books either. So they're they're going to be struggling financially. There's going to be a lot of people, uh, as we heard from Mark Lewis last week, who got made redundant. There's going to be a lot of professional, semi-professional footballers who are going to be out of work. Well, Darren McAnthony on the podcast, he said at the moment there's about 1,500 out of work, and he predicts in the summer there will be over 2,000 footballers. So certainly right there, leave that, you know. If National League and National League South and North curtail the winners, there's a whole lot of players going into a, into a pool, which I feel sorry for them. You know, they've got families and livelihoods and that, and to all be out of work, you know, they might have to find some of them will have to find literally another profession. And that's the thing. A lot of people they take mortgages out at that level. They're not they're not rich enough to buy their own houses outright. So they've got mortgages and they've based that on what they're earning through say two or three year period because that's the contract they have at say a Notts County or something like that. And then they're getting told they're not going to be getting that money now. Or uh, I don't know if there's. I know some a team was offering COVID cover. I don't know if it's a Premiership or Championship team, but one one player refused to sign it uh, because he didn't. He he wanted to have his contract and that was it he wouldn't sign anything with covid if that they then could stop paying him if they had to uh yeah it's just it's been a mad year for football wise look uh, everywhere but i just feel sorry for the non-league down in non-league and as i said it the only thing that's coming from our point of view that's good is that we might be able to get our players out and about playing matches because it's all well and good training and stuff like that but we need them out playing playing football matches uh, and get them used to that daily day playing the football matches as well, going to stadiums. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No fans, but yeah. Yeah, I think that was a great, great little chat about non-league. Hopefully teams can survive. Hopefully um, with the support of under 23 squads, just like ours, we can, um, you know, they can all get through it. Um, And whether they could tell the season or not, really. Yeah, one last point is when fans are allowed to go back, if you're not going to watch AFC Wimbledon, go watch your local non-league team, wherever it may be. You know, I, I've done it loads of times and it's, it's fantastic. You get in for cheap, you get a beer, you get a burger, a uh, pie, you can, you can drink around the pitch. Some of the football is decent nowadays because obviously we come from non-league. The, the amount of non-league we watched is unreal. And some of the games we watched, or I, I mainly didn't, I was in the bar a lot of them, but it's good laugh and, and, and go support non-league once you can because look at we've had Dave Anderson from non-league Terry Brown is one of the stalwarts of non-league football so go and help and yeah and do what you can when it when it comes and you'll go watch AFC Wimbledon players if they're on loan at a non-league team so.
some big news broke last week that the expected salary cap for Leagues 1 and 2 was being scrapped following a decision by an independent arbitration panel. Uh, for those of you who are not aware, the caps were voted through by third and fourth tier clubs in August last year. Caps were set at £2.5 million per club in League 1 and £1.5 million per club in League 2. Obviously, this is big news for Wimbledon. Uh, we were arguably going to be one of the teams who benefited the most from the incoming salary cap. Russ, what are your thoughts? So yeah, so um, I mean, they were they were they were voted in on the back of the really the EFL had to be seen to be doing something, I think. Um, and obviously, um, with the season not being completed as far as other than the playoffs in leagues one and two, um, again they were under pressure. Now, obviously, they then got in. I suppose, hot water, although they felt it was good with the big picture project with the Premier League. They were obviously for that. And the clubs obviously, you know, rightly so, said no to that. Um, and then um, there was two things being shifted about, I suppose. There was the re regionising of um, Leagues 1 and Leagues 2, back to North and South, um, or East and West, but North and South they've had before. And um, or bringing in salary caps, so they went down the salary cap route, and um, it was voted in um, pretty overall. I think um, I think there were seven clubs voted against it in League One, probably one, probably Bolton in League Two, um, and as you say, it was for two and a half million for League two, One and one and a half million for League Two. There was also actually a, a proposed salary cap for the um, Championship of eighteen million. Um, which didn't even get to a vote, to be honest. There was too many clubs against it. What, it. what it entails is the basic wage, taxes, bonuses, image rights, which I suppose was put in there for championships, agents' fees, and then other fees paid directly or indirectly to registered players via so expenses and signing-on fees. Yeah, I, I just want to say, with regards to the EFL, I think they're not fit for purpose anyway. I think they're an absolute joke of... Uh, of an establishment and some of the stuff they've done and are doing is is should just be like they're just, yeah they're just a joke they're just they're not fit for purpose. Regards to the salary cap, I don't know how you boys feel. I obviously it was gonna it was gonna help us as a club because uh, I understand it, it it meant that it would be about seventy hundred pound seventy hundred pound per player per week in League One, about a grand for League Two players. Uh, we pay up to about three, I reckon, about three grand, probably a little bit more for some of our players. But I'd say our top earners probably on about three grand a week, just off the top of my head. Obviously, we don't know figures. I don't know if this salary cap was the correct one. I don't. I think this was just rushed through. Uh, I don't because I I do feel I get what Sunderland fans, Portsmouth fans, Ipswich fans are saying. Why should they be paying a player seventeen hundred per week the same as say us or a Burton Albion? where they get 40,000 fans each week and we only get 4,500 or we were getting 4,500. I, I, I think a salary cap should be coming in, but it should also come in from the championship as well. If you're going to go all levels, or maybe even the premiership, because they're on obscene amounts now and, uh, and players who come to the end of their career or come to the end of their contracts, then like you've got Tammy Abram was on 25 grand a week when he played against us in the uh, FA Youth Cup which is crazy amount of money for a kid that might not have made it. Okay, he did. But yeah, I think salary cap has to come in from the top level all the way down. But I 
I believe it should be on turnover of, of what the clubs are earning because Sunderland are going to earn more money than us. It's just a fact. And it doesn't matter if they've got a billionaire owner coming in, they're still going to make more money than us because they'll sell more season tickets, they'll sell more club shirts, they'll sell more stuff. I just also think that one thing that has to be demolished as well is parachute payments. Sunderland are going to really struggle, I think, next year because I think parachute payments are wiped out. For, I don't think they have any more coming in. So unless they get a buyout and someone come in and buy Sunderland, I think they're really going to struggle. So they might be crying for a salary cap soon anyway. But I just think this is going to make boom and bust explode again. And we're going to see a lot of clubs going out of business. And I don't think it will affect us as much as we maybe think, because hopefully we are going to still be good with our budgets and stuff. Yeah. Well, I think the, you know, we've always kind of lived within our means to a certain extent. Um, you know, I remember from the stories back when Eric was in charge that he'd always budget us for to come bottom of the league, to go out in the first round of every cup. You know, we were never spending above our means. But the problem is the, the, salary, the salary cap is a good idea in theory. You know, clubs need to get their spending under, under control because it's out of control, you know. Um, and that's why clubs are getting out, uh, going out of business. And... You're right. I don't think that the salary cap is fair. If, you know, Sunderland, who have s s sell out the Stadium of Light every week, um, they shouldn't have the same same cap on their budgets as some a team like us. I think it all should all be done in terms of turnover or, you know, it needs to be fair rather than just saying, right, everyone, although it's equal, it's not necessarily fair. Um, I don't know what the solution is, but I think something needs, there needs to be something put in place because to stop teams from spending um, over, the, over their means. I think, you, I think you guys have made some good points. Um, going to Lee's point about the salary cap from the Premier League down, the problem with that is, in my opinion, is you will have players then who will go to the foreign leagues, you know, La Liga, Spanish League, French League, if, if that's introduced, it needs to be worldwide and, you know, to get all the bodies together to agree on that. But I also agree with Russell's point about it. For me, I think the EFL rushed the decision to look like they were they were doing something to protect clubs. I mean, obviously, we saw Barry go bust and other clubs sort of, you know, flirted with administration or going bust. I mean, Wigan's another example, isn't it? They, they got a new owner, put them in administration and whatnot. Um, but I, I don't think the salary cap was well thought through. I think it, like I said, I think it was rushed and I think it should be a percentage of turnover. So say, for example... You know, seventy-five percent of turnover you can spend on on salaries or or players um, might be a fair way to do it because, like you said, Lee, you know, Sunderland are going to bring in a lot, lot, you know, a bigger, bigger revenue than you know us and Appleton Stanley, for example. It, the problem I got with the turnover thing, which I I do believe should be brought in, we all know football's bent as fuck, so th there's going to be so many teams that are going to be hiding figures or they they'll they'll get around it somehow. They they'll they'll put their players on grand a week but then they've just bought him a brand new house they've bought him a brand new car they've bought him they've given him like 100 grand so they'll, 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 we all know it's bent as as hell at football from the top level down we were when we Jamie, when you were saying about we always budgeted well we did but then look at the teams we come against we had fisher athletic who were paying 1500 to two grand a week in the level that we were paying we were only paying what 100 to 200 there's that Antonio uh, story that we, we wouldn't pay a £7 sign-on fee. That, that, again, is that he apparently was asking for £400 a week. And we were like, well, no, we've just filled our whole squad. We're not going to now 
put 400 quid on an extra player that we don't know if he's going to turn out like he did. You know what I mean? So I just think, again, I, the one big thing for me is parachute payments. I don't get, if you get relegated, how can you get rewarded with millions and millions of pounds in the league below where you're playing, say, a Wickham who went into the championship, they, they got what? Two, I don't know how much they got from with, coming where they did. It's probably about a million, do you know what I mean? How much prize money they got for that. But a team coming down gets like 80 million. And it's like now you've got to compete with Bournemouth, who have already got billionaire owners, who have just been given 80 million for relegation. It's like rewarding people for being shit. I think the, re- the reason for the, the parachute payments, obviously, they've still got contracts that they've got to fulfill. So I, I understand parachute payments. I think they're too much, but I think you still need them. And it's not just the Premiership. We even give solidarity payments to the likes of um, Notts County and Yeovil would have gotten. Now, Vernon Frank, that Notts County and Yeovil, are, if, they, if they scrap it, from what we were talking about earlier, they could not go up. And they're then going to be in that position where you were just talking about Sunderland being in, where they're, they're going to be. So those parachute payments that they've got actually could, could actually benefit them um, in keeping them going because um, they, they're going to have wages and that to pay of players that are, are on maybe a three-year contract because they only have it for the two years. Um, with... Um, the Premiership, you if you only stay in the it, only stay in the Premier League for one year, I think you only get it for the two years. Whereas otherwise, you get it for three years, and it goes down by percentage. I think you get like forty percent, twenty five percent, and then fifteen percent or something like that. Um, but I do I do think you need them. Um, but I think that the amount they get compared to obviously the rest of the Championship, and I suppose if you look at the Championship this season. Bournemouth, Watford, Norwich, they're all at the top this season and we're starting to get in that place where the three teams going up will be the same teams that come down every year if, 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 if things don't change, um, which is probably another reason why the salary cap in the Championship was, was voted out because it was never going to work because it had made the gap even bigger. Do you think that um, parachute payments, I, I agree with you, Russ, I think they are needed, otherwise teams will go out of business. Um, but do they just get like a flat rate? Uh, you know, if you come 20th, you get X amount of money. If you come 19th, you get X amount of money uh, for X amount of years. Um, do you think it should be a more case-by-case basis? You know, say you've got £2 million worth of wages. So we're going to cover X, you know, we're going to cover X amount of wages until those players are out of contract as such. Because, you know, Bournemouth were given £80 million last year. Who says that they're using that money? Why, you know, they're probably using that money on strengthening their squad i mean they wouldn't have got eight i mean it, i think it's, it's at the moment it's um around 40 million it's 55 percent of the tv revenue and it's done so there's the it's the same as everyone gets but they only get 55 percent and in year two it's 35 million at 40 percent and in year three as i say if they haven't if they were in the premiership for more than one year otherwise they don't get it it's 20 percent, which is about 15 million so i think when they're saying that bournemouth got 80 million i think that's including all their like Callum Wilson, A.D., um, Aki, that they sold. It must include them because they, they would have only got 40 million. Unless it was 80 million over the three years, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I suppose if, yeah, they're, yeah. Not gonna, if they're looking at not being promoted back up, yeah. then yeah. But I suppose, you know, I mean, I don't know what their wage bill is. I mean, the average wage bill in the Premier League is 140 million. So who knows what Bournemouth was. Following on from Russ's point, um, obviously you've got the Premier League teams who are coming down and then, you know, looking like they're bouncing straight back up. But, you know, you've got the 
League One teams who are going up and then coming straight back down. You know, you've had Barnsley and Rotherham bounce up and down. Wickham look like they're going to come back down, and it's because they got stung by the, you know, they got stung by the salary cap, in my opinion. You know, to go from a salary cap of two point five million, and then you know, I think the average championship, you know, I've had it's like close to twenty odd million or something crazy in the in the championship. You know, how do you make the step up from two point five million wage budget to jump up to the championship in one season? So, you, you know, you're always doomed to fail or doomed to come back down. So I think it is a good thing they, they scrapped it. But, you know, football finances in general, it, it just needs an overhaul, doesn't it? You know, um, like I said, Project Big Picture was doomed to fail. But, you know, it's a, we, we know it's not evenly distributed amongst the clubs or, you know, the rich clubs get richer and the poor clubs get poorer. But that is one good thing about um, us as ASC Wimbledon is we do know how to budget. So I don't think the the uh, salary cap will impact us too much because we're, we're used to running on peanuts, unfortunately. I was going to say, don't get me wrong, the salary cap was was a good idea in, in a certain way because it, it was it was trying to also stop um, owners from selling stadiums, which has been done in the championship. Uh, Reading, Birmingham, Derby, Sheffield Derby. Wednesday. Um, so obviously it was to also help with that because people are in the championship. I mean, they're, they're I mean, they are if you look at the finances in there, I mean, I think there's about two clubs that make, made a profit. But um, the problem is, I mean, we have had a salary cap in a, in a certain other way before the salary cap came in. In the, in the League One, it was 60% of your, your, your wages of your income. And in League Two, it was 50%. But in the Championship, you was allowed to lose. Now, what other companies, you know, do you talk about, you know, losing? They're allowed to lose £39 million over three years. So if you weren't on for that, hence people were selling their stadiums. Yeah, I, I think it's mad that you can sell your stadium to chase a dream of getting into the Premier League. And that's because the amount of money that is in the Premier League is it's just like, it's like saying, I, look, I can give you a million pound at the end of the year, but you need to keep putting in a hundred thousand pound a month. <clears throat> Do you know what I mean? And then you'll get a million pounds and then me just going bust kind of thing. It's just, it's, it's ludicrous money and ludicrous story. And, and people just throw, like, look at Derby. Derby got told they, uh, they're under financial regulations. They couldn't buy, uh, they couldn't, what was it? They couldn't buy any players or they couldn't pay their players. That was it. They couldn't pay their players while the, uh, the transfer of the club was going through the sale of the club. But they still went out and bought players, even though they weren't paying their actual players. So they couldn't pay players, but then in January they went out and bought players. And it's like, well, what, how is that even allowed? How can you buy a player when you can't pay the actual... It's like me, again, I'm in a, a, a business and saying to all my staff, I can't pay you. I'm bringing in these five, these five lads now to work for us and they're on like 50 grand a year. And then people will be like, what the f*** is going on with this business? It's just, football's mad. And one, the other point I wanted to make just quickly was Rick Parry's still in a job. He's still the chairman of the EFL. Like, how is, he, how is he still in that job after it was his idea and he took big picture to, to all the clubs? It, it's like, well, like, it's madness to me that people are going, yeah, go on, Rick, like, just walk us into doomsday. I mean, you spoke earlier, Finchie, about salary caps being brought down from the, from the top downwards, you know, starting at the Premier League. Premier League's too far gone. It's yeah, gone. It's, you know, we're never getting it back. Yeah. Um, but the problem that I see is that the championship is slowly following suit. You know, they're trying to make the championship into this mini Premier League, essentially. Um, and like you said earlier, with the 
two and a half million uh, Boise in League One to 18, 20 million in the in championship. That's ridiculous. That's an obscene uh, rise in salaries. How, how can teams from League One and Two, unless you are a Sunderland, how can you compete with that? You, you can't. <laughs> That's the, the fact of the matter. You can't compete with it. But going, this is going off tangent a little bit from the salary yeah. cap. But I, I don't really want to be in the Premier League because if you're if you're going to buy, a, uh, I know someone who went up to the Spurs stadium to buy their a Spurs shirt. It was a hundred pound to buy a Spurs shirt for a replica shirt. Do you know what I mean? That's just ludicrous money. A hundred pounds to go what matches. I'd, I'd never want to be in that. I don't. I, you know what I mean? I want to play. I want to watch players who are earning good money. Uh, like not being our players get good good pay in our uh, we pay all right money we're not we're not playing they're not getting two fifty five hundred a week uh, I reckon our top earners on probably about five grand a week uh, that ain't bad is it to play football uh, so I just think if you look at Atkinson as well Atkinson Stanley they get everyone always says about Atkinson and they they they've got a good chairman who who, who will say it and they'll, they'll pay good money I just everyone's chasing this dream I don't get it of the Premier League or just be like I think Richard made the great point last week. Titch, just success like success to him is having that that our, our stadium, having a good academy, and having a, a team that just gives a hundred percent. And and I still think a salary cap is a great idea, but you can't compete with these. You could like in our own league, we can't compete with Sunderland, Peter, and Portsmouth financially. Just leads on to last week's discussion about fan donor or, or selling, isn't it? I mean, I think a lot of uh, a lot of fans deep down know we all feel that we've reached a glass ceiling, and this will further make some certain fans feel like that. Now the salary cap's been scrapped because it did put us on a level playing field. Whilst if now, obviously, you know, the big clubs, the holes, the Ipswich, the the Sunderlands of the world, you know, the gap between us and them is quite far now, and you know. There are fans who, who you know, the younger generation fans, so 17, 18 year olds who watch much of the day and see all their idols. And, you know, they see that we're only two leagues away from the Premier League. And, you know, they they probably want us to see us get to the Premier League. Whilst if, you know, people like you, Lee and uh, Richard, for example, on last week, you know, we're happy to watch league football or, you know, be a, be a mid-table League One team or, you know, maybe even fight for a playoff and the dream of even just playing in the championship, I think certain fans would be happy with. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite hard to manage um, expectations amongst the fan base at the moment. Uh, you know, I think the fan base is quite divided on what they want. No, I kind of agree with what you're saying regarding the divide, but I, I don't agree with the fact about putting on a level playing field. With, with Football, unfortunately, you're never going to be on a level play. Look at the Premier League. Brighton not on the same level playing field as, say, uh, a Man United. Never going to be. But what they do well is they, they get people from their youth team, Jack Grealish. They then sell them for 40, 50 million. And then that's, I think that's what we need to look at. We, when we were women in FC, we were never on a level playing field with any team pretty much in the Premier League. But we still managed to get into two semi-finals. Uh, do you know what I mean? We, we don't have to worry about being on a level playing field, I don't think. I just think we need to get players in that want to play football. Uh, and give them a good wage that the problem we got and we mentioned it last week and again a bit off topic but we, we, we live in one of the most well, Wimbledon is one of the most expensive places to live in England Yeah it's funny you hit on that because that's why Oxford were against it because Oxford are the most expensive place outside of London and um, they've said that if they had a salary cap they wouldn't be able to give it, pay expenses because that would be part of it so hence why they were against it but going back to what Jamie said about the championship becoming 
and mini Premier Premier League. In a sense, though, isn't that the evolving of the football league? Because I mean, if you look at the National League now, the amount of ex football league clubs in there now is probably the same as probably in the Championship. And it's getting, you know, Wexham, I think, have been in there for 10 years or so now. They, they can't get out. So um, that might change now, their owners. But, um, but you know, I, I do think it evolves. And that, that, for me, I mean, totally different subject. It's like the Super League. I think that will happen. And when that happens, that might help, I think, because that might offset the money that the Premier League is getting at the moment from TV as it moves to the to the um, the Super League, if, if and when it happens. And I think that will be the next involvement that will help the rest of the leagues, because until something does happen, salary caps isn't going isn't gonna to do it, because you're just, you're just holding back the bigger teams, which are the ones that you need to evolve. I mean, if you, know, if you look at the Premier League now, how many cities are in there compared to towns? There's just two towns, and that, that's, how, that's how you expect it to be. I mean, we, sp- we spoke with Freddie Flaxman, uh, we had an interview with Freddie Flaxman last week and we kind of spoke about American sports and promotion and relegation and, and kind of the underlying thing was that that's where the Premier League was heading. You know, I mean, I mentioned it earlier, I said, you know, the Premier League's gone. There's no, there's no getting it back. It's looking like it is going down a Super League kind of route. Um, you know, the, the Project Big Picture was the first sort of taste we got of that. Um you know, it is going to happen. The the big six or whoever it is will get their way in the end um, because they want to secure their businessmen at the end of the day. Football is a business, you know, and we're just customers, especially at the highest level. Um, so it's in some respects, like you said, the, the Super League, uh, football evolve, English football evolving into the Super League will benefit us because then we don't need to worry about, we don't need to worry about them anymore. We can just get on with what we're doing. And it would level the playing field again. But I don't know about you, but I don't. I agree with you, Finchie, about the Premier League. I don't want to. I don't want to play in the Premier League how it is. But by the same token, what on earth are we playing for? You know, if they take away that the hallowed Premier League, then you know what's what's what a. What, what, why would someone invest in a football club to then go? Well, we're never going to get to the Premier League, so I'm not going to pay any money to. to to try and get there. Yeah, and I think you're right. And that's what one of the things Freddie, uh, he, he touched on. He said that the good thing about the English game is that you've got a uh, difference to America is that you've got relegation, you've got promotion. And it does keep, you know, look, look at Wickham last week. Yeah, who, who, who imagined Wickham were going to get, they, they were odds on to get relegated from our league and end up going into the championship. Like They might spend one season there, but their fans are going to, well, they're not going to enjoy it because they're not there. But can you, imagine, can you imagine if you were there for one year in the championship and you're a little while Wickham going to, to massive clubs, but I think the other the other thing you said is that football is a business. But other than the top six, well, I don't think any football makes money now. I don't think if you look at Dara at Peterborough, I don't think he'll he'll say he, he's ever going to make a, a penny out of it. And uh, the guy at Derby just said he lost two hundred million of his own personal funds funding Derby. So it, it might be a business, but you've got to look at people who are going to put money into football are going to lose it. You know, Gibson at Middlesbrough is another one. He's lost a hell of a lot of his own personal fortune. He's lucky enough that he's very, very rich. But, yeah, you're not going to make money out of football. And I think fans need to be realistic with let's get someone who's going to throw loads of money at it. Again, this is why I think a salary cap is a good idea. Is that, And this is another thing. Sorry, I've got to, players need to be realistic. Players got to stop asking for these ridiculous amounts of money just to play football. When it's a working-class game, it always I know it's changing a lot now, but... 
like us here, I don't know what we earn, but I get fed up with watching players moan about stuff when I'm earning shit money and working 12 hours a day. And I want to have a little bit of a rant on a Saturday and, and I'm watching some guy kick a ball around for five grand a, a week and he's moaning that it's cold or he's bored in the change room. Do you know what I mean? Players have got to be realistic with how much money they're earning. They're earning clubs, a- clubs are going to pay it though. They, you know, what, what, why shouldn't they? Well, you know, if they gonna... turn around and say, I want 10 grand a week and then someone goes, all right, you're good at football. I'll pay you 10 grand a week. Well, That's the problem. It's, it's too far but- gone. Do you know they're what I mean? Not, they're not going to pay that soon, mate, because I can see a lot of clubs going back. Look at non-league football. They were getting 400, 500 quid a week, as I said earlier. They're not going to get that now. And they've got to be realistic that they're not going to be able to earn that money soon. And they'll be out of work. They're, a lot of them are thick as fuck, so they're not going to be able to do anything else, are they? So, To be honest, though, that's why the PFA fought the salary cap. I think was on the half of the players because they won't be able to earn those money so that is the reason that the PFA obviously um, put in their fight against it was for that reason I think um, and I, as, as Jamie says I think if the owners are willing to, to pay it they'll carry it the, 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 the players are going to you know I mean until owners actually turn around and say don't be silly we're not paying that I think uh, agents exactly. and players are going to keep going in. Exactly yeah. you look at Joe, Joe Piggott say at the end of the season he turns around to us and say I want eight grand a week we go well we can't pay it he's like all right i'm off to charlton or luton or whoever that can pay it then because at the end of the day i've got to put food on the table for my family and yeah it's it's all about money it's all about money another good example is crazy isn't it you know we were stupid enough to give him a three-year deal on you know crazy money you know if these clubs you know, throw money at these players, you know, leaders for them to, to be sensible. But, you know, if, if, if a team's willing to put you on a three-year contract paying you crazy money, you know, you're going to take it at the end of the day, aren't you? Gareth Bale yeah. at Real Madrid. No, I, well. I, get it. I get it because, again, uh, we, if someone turned around to me and said, look, Lee, there's a rival company up the road we want to pay you a couple of grand more a month, I'm not going to say no, am I? I'm going to say yes straight away. And it, it's the same in life. I know people look at football totally different to life, really. It is totally one-dimensional the way that everyone looks at football but sooner or later I think Accrington have got it spot on I think we've we've got it we've, we, we do all right with our budgets and stuff we don't crazy happy I think everyone realized that was a mistake and hopefully we've not made that same mistake with Palmer but it, it's so hard at football because again you look at that you put three grand a week on Quezzy who was a natural goal scorer who you think is going to be mustard and he gets injured all the time you, you can't there's some things you just can't they're just gambles uh, and that's the problem. And that's why these caps and things like that are good to come in because they, they can kind of stop them gambles. You can say, look, you're going to get 1700 a week. It don't matter. You mentioned um, Dara McAntony at Peterborough earlier. He's normally quite vocal about these sorts of things. Has anyone heard anything about what he said? Yeah, he did, he did come out at the beginning and um, he said something about he'd actually put in some proposals himself, but I don't think, I, I don't think he'd heard back or anything regarding it. Um, and hence why he then voted against it because it, he knew it was unfair for the for the bigger clubs. Um, so he said, he, he goes, I would base the, the cap on a club's turnover so the likes of Sunderland and Portsmouth could spend more based on what they generate. That would be a fairer way. For instance, Posh generate around six million a year. So we would be capped at a lower figure than Portsmouth who attract 16,000 fans to every home game. Therefore, they generate much more. You should be rewarded for running a successful business like Portsmouth. 
But my first thought when I heard the EFL proposal was that it would benefit us. It would drag the bigger clubs down a bit as they would, they would have to be a lot more revision on the players' contracts on their side. But I think in the end, obviously, he realised it was unfair. And I think he was one of the seven that, um, that did vote against it. But I'm not 100% sure on that. But I don't know who, the other seven, who, who else would have sort of been in that bracket otherwise, to be honest. One thing I wanted to chuck in is I saw uh, Lee Bowyer was complaining about this salary cap now being scrapped because it's coming just after the January transfer window's shut. Um, so pretty poor timing, in my opinion. And it, it always seems with the EFL and these things coming at the coming at poor timing. Like you know, the rules should be set at the start of the season, and that should be that, in my opinion, for for that season. Um, because Lee, Lee Bowyer was saying, you know, it's unfair for you know they've they've just had to scrimp and save to release players, get players in on certain salaries and whatnot, but yet play, teams which got relegated weren't impacted by the, by the salary cap because obviously, you know, play, teams coming down from the championship, you know, on higher wages, they can't expect to cut their wages overnight. So it just seems, again, it just seems like such a farce and such a mess, this whole salary cap thing getting swept at this stage of the season. All right, so I, I disagree with with regards to the timing of the scrapping of it. I think it was actually the best time to bring it in. It just meant that Charlton, who had a multi-million pound owner, uh, they couldn't go and spend fortunes trying to get themselves promoted where other teams weren't going to be able to do that. But do we not think an independent panel should be brought in? Because I know Dara, Dara does talk a lot of sense, but chairmen are going to look after their own club at the end of the day if they think it's good or not. He, he might be one person, but a lot of people will look after their own clubs shouldn't there be an independent review on the whole of football or at least on salary capping and stuff like that? Well, Wimbledon don't like panels though, do we? Or like <laughs> commissions or whatever it is. Um, Not... You know, they always tend to, and tend to screw us over. Well, one of the best decisions they've ever made, to be fair. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. <laughs> um, Peterborough. Do you want to talk about Peterborough? I don't think it could come. This is why I'm gutted the game against Rochdale was uh, cancelled because Peterborough, I've got their form up at the moment, their home form at the moment. It's played 13, won 10, drawn 2 and lost 1. The goal difference is plus 19 uh, and their points per game at home is 2.46. So for a team like us who, who, who have conceived many, yeah, I, I can't see it being any tougher for... Uh, Robbo, and hopefully the managerial situation will be sorted by that game. I've hoped that the uh, managerial situation, a decision has been made. It's just dotting the I's and the X's, you know. It was disappointing we didn't get to play watched out because there would have been a big, you know, a big six-pointer and had we won that, you know, back-to-back wins, the confidence would have been flying. Um, Boss Peterborough are up there, you know, they're third in the league and they're flying themselves. I do feel like we're a bit of a bogey team for Peterborough. I remember going away and Tom Elliott scored and it was probably one of our best of our away performances. You know, last year we beat um, Dylan Connolly bought a penalty, didn't he, by kind of tangling his legs. Early in the season, we won 2-1 against Peter Barr. So I feel like we're a bit of a fawn in the side. Um, so hopefully that continues. But, um, yeah, at the form and looking at the lineups, you know, you, you know, uh, Peter Barr will be massive favourites for that. But they do play Tuesday night. So, you know, hopefully, you know, we've, we've had a full week's worth of training and, you know, had had a two week rest. So, you know, if if Robbo has got the job, uh, which I, I personally hope he does, you know, he's had two weeks on the training ground to, you know, implement his ideas. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. When you think about, 
later stages of the season. I think we're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday every week after this game against Peterborough on Saturday. So maybe Robbo can sort of get his style and tactics, um, sink his teeth in, so to speak, uh, on the players because, you know, there's been positives and improvements all around. I saw that there were social media bits going out thanking the Don's local action group. The players were thanking them. Um, the performance at Wigan was a lot better. Just the atmosphere with the fans, everything seems a lot more positive around the club. So hopefully that can be a positive. I do think that it would be a tough ask to get a result against Peterborough. You know, I think if we go up there, all I want is a performance. You know, I don't want to, I don't want, because that will completely break my spirit again. Because, you know, we think we've turned a, a, a corner and... If it was, if it goes back to the same old shit again, then I don't know where we're going to be at. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it'll go back to the same old shit. I don't think we'll see that again if Robbo's in charge. Uh, my worry with Peterborough is they've got Johnson, Clark, Harris, who's got 15 goals. He uh, bullied us when he played for Bristol Rovers as well, uh, and they've got Sam Smodix, who's got six goals, and he's, he's again, he, he looked really quality against us. I know we beat him one nil when uh, Ivan Tony missed an absolute sitter, but I don't think these games are going to define our season. Uh, I think if you look at our fixtures in March, we've got seven games in March, five of them at home, and it's Shrewsbury, Blackpool, Burton at home, Bristol Rovers, Wigan at home, Charlton at home, Rochdale and Northampton at home. They're the games that are going to, them home games are going to define our season. But I think Peterborough, I think we just need to go up there and give 100%. Like, I think we will. And if we, if we lose the game, then I think people will still be happy because we're showing something. But you never know. You never know. Like Jamie said, after Peterborough, we've got a game every four days from then to the end of the season. So, it'll be a case of game rest, you know, technical analysis on that opponent game rest. So, again, like, like I said, I, I personally hope Robo has got the job because bringing in a new manager to try to implement his ideas and his plans down on the training field in a minimal time. Um, but yeah, Peterborough is a hard fixture and I'll two after that as well. We've got Gillingham and Hull. Um, so, if we can pick up any points from the next three, will be a bonus for basically then the rest of the fixtures in March and our home form will dictate if we stay up or not this season for me. Our home form has been terrible this season and we need to turn it around and address it as soon as possible and I'm sure uh, Robo will, will want to do that. Just going back to what Boise said earlier regarding us, we do well against Peterborough. We actually haven't won at London Road since 2016. So we lost last season and we drew the two seasons previous to that. So um, it's it's not certainly won't be easy and Peterborough aren't as easy as probably we think out. I think we, they may be, but if we get a draw, I think that'll help for the momentum. I think, you know, as, as Jamie said, the, the performance will be the main thing to carry on from, from the Wigan win. Um, and then if we can get something out of the Peterborough game, that will help for when the fixtures come thick and fast, I suppose, for confidence. Yeah. I, I just worry about people and their goals. They've got, they, 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 their average at home is 2.23 goals uh, and we all know our defence ain't great but again if Robbo has got the job then hopefully he uh, he will be sorting that defence out and especially with a formation change at the moment it does look a little bit better and we do look tighter well I say that we, we conceded two against Wigan but hopefully he'll, he would have worked on that again this goes out on Thursday we could have had a managerial change by then so uh, yeah, hopefully I, I'm all for Robbo, and hopefully he'll he'll have it tight against Peterborough, and we can frustrate them to start with. 
So what do you reckon on the score lines then, Finchie? Three one Peterborough. Optimistic. I just can't see us. They're a very good side. They've got goals. As I said, the, the amount of goals they score, they score for fun. They 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 beat teams that we struggled against. Uh, do you know what I mean? And they, they're just a very good side. Uh, uh, if you look at the the form, they've lost one at home and drawn two. Do you know what I mean? They've beaten the Itswich. They've beaten Crew. They uh, beat Cholton. They beat Scum. They beat Rochdale. You know what I mean? They're beating teams two. They're not conceding many goals at home either. So it's a tough ask for us, and I, I'd, I'd rather go there knowing that. And if we get something, then brilliant, great stuff. I personally think it's going to be a one-all draw. I think uh, Robbo will be working hard on training ground to keep, you know, you know, getting that defensive organisation, trying to keep the goals down. He'd be desperate for a clean sheet, but I think Peter Barr got too much firepower. I think Joe Biggert will get us a goal back, and it will finish one-all draw, and I'll, I'll be happy with that all day long. Russ. Yeah, I'm the same as Boise, but I think a two-all draw. I think that we've, I think against Peterborough, we're definitely letting more than one. Um, but I do think um, we uh, have got uh, the firepower in us, as we showed at, at Wigan, to to hopefully get two goals ourselves. So, no, I'd like to think a draw. Very optimistic. Oh, that's very optimistic. Yeah, I, I was just about to say, it's very optimistic. What's, what's yours then, Jay? 4 nil Peterborough. I think we're going to get absolutely tonked. Because then if we don't, I'll feel all right, you know? See, I like the optimism with Robbo and stuff. And everyone, I think what he's saying is all the right words and what he looks like he's doing is right. But we have still got our squad. Yeah, that's <laughs> what, what I mean. As much you know, as you... Yeah, it, you've got... You, we're it, playing third in the league. Yeah, and as much as he's putting stuff in and, and, and they'll get better and it will get better, hopefully we are going to a very, very solid and good outfit who score goals for fun. And as much as I love Robbo, if we go there and we put effort in and we try our artists, I still can't see us not con- not conceding goals against Peterborough. Yeah, the, the way that our defence is, like even against Wigan, you know, at least, yeah. were they both shit, shit goals to concede? One of them was. Um, you know, it's sort of, we can't afford, especially against the... It's a, a team like Peterborough with that calibre of players, we can't afford to be making those defensive mistakes, but we will. So, you know, it, it's, it's sort of, I, I don't expect anything out of it. So, like I said earlier, as long as we put a decent performance in um, and we're not, you know, moping around the pitch and, and playing shit 3-5-2 football, <laughs> it'll, so, be, it'll be all right. Again, I'll go back to stats and stuff because... We've got Piggott who scored 13 goals. Everyone knows that he's our goal scorer. But other than that, we've got Ryan Longman on five. And then it's Ben Hennigan on two. He hasn't played for months. Uh, and then Ethan Chislett on two. Uh, do you know what I mean? So we, we don't have a lot of goals in us. And they do. So it's going well, to be that's, that's where we, that's, where, that's where a lot of our downfall has come from. Is that in, we rely too much on Piggott. Is that if teams can keep Piggott quiet, they keep Wimbledon quiet. You know? So... We need to be finding goals elsewhere. Um, and I, hopefully the new system will help us find that because, you know, we, we're playing a more possession-based style of football now. We're not, you know, sacrifice. You know, we're having 30% possession the whole game. We're, trying, we're going at teams much more attacking, much more positive. You know, I know Piggott scored the penalty, but that was Chislett and Rodoni linking up. Uh, Chislett was unlucky, hit the bar. So... Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, 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 
I'm positive about Saturday, but I still don't think we'll get a result. I, again, I agree. I just, I, I just again, we just want to see our hundred percent. If we, if we can see the boys putting a shift in, moving the ball round, looking all right, and, and we lose, I think we'll, we're still going to be happy. I think, yeah, we ain't going to win every game now because we've got Robber in charge, or if he does come in, do you know what I mean? It's, it's not going to happen. If the Cowley's coming now, we're not going to win every game. It's just one of the things. As I said, the games that we have coming up in March, they're the ones we need to be looking and thinking right. Three points. We have to get three points against, say, Northampton, who again recently sacked Keith Kell. So they could be getting a new manager bounce from possibly the Cowley brothers. You imagine? Yeah, I can, I can actually. I can imagine. I can. Or, or Kevin Nolan, Russell Slade. He might be in the job by then. And then <laughs> be, I say Neil. They beat I say Neil or something. And we go. Look, we could have got him a couple of years ago. We'd have been fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, Saturday's such a tough game. People are a good side. Yeah. You know, who's the manager there? Is it? It's not. What's his I'm name now? Is it? Who is the manager at Peter Ferguson? Ferguson no, Ferguson got sacked, didn't he? Or is he back in the job again? I think he's gone back there. How many times he must have been there? Um, he must have been there three or four times now. So that is this Darren is Ferguson, yeah. It is Darren Ferguson, yeah. Yeah. So I don't rate him as a manager. I think he should be doing such a better job. But they had Steve Evans, though. So anyone's better than Steve Evans in my eyes, but. Well, I think uh, that's probably a good place to wrap up the episode. Russell, it's been a pleasure, mate. Have you enjoyed it? I have indeed. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Been good. Thanks for coming on, Russell. Yeah. Thanks very much. Finchie, pleasure as always, mate. Of course. Pleasure's yours. Yeah. Um, Boise, good to have you on again, mate. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. No problem. And we'll see you all soon. See you soon. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Wombles Had a Dream podcast. If you would like to contact us, you can do so by Twitter at Wombles Dream or via Facebook at the Wombles Had a Dream. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.